0: So today's theme is we are all one in Christ. I've got a question for you. What is the traditional colour of a baptism gown? White, white, that's right. We like symbols, don't we? I haven't got a baptism gown. But I do have this. This links in with what um, Pastor was just saying before. What does it symbolize? Purity. That's right. It speaks of our new identity in Christ. As we enter into God's family, God now sees us through the lens of Jesus. My question is this How does this influence? Or impact our relationship with others. Today's Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Over to you, Pastor.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pour your Holy Spirit over us now that you might open our ears and our hearts to hear the message you have for us this morning, that we might grow in our faith in Jesus and our love for one another. In Jesus' own precious name we pray. Amen. Now this bit might be a bit controversial. I'm a Crow supporter. And I find it more than a little bit disturbing that Port Power has hijacked that fantastic in-excess anthem, Nothing Will Tear Us Apart. Or is it just that I'm jealous that they thought of it first? Either way, the sentiments of that song apply equally well to us as a community of faith as they do to any football team. Arguably even more so. See, nothing will ever tear us apart from Jesus. And as God's people, let's not let anything tear us apart from each other. Today I'm going to talk to you about the unity that we have in Christ and what that might mean for us as individual Christians and what that means for us as a community of faith here at Good Shepherd St Paul tells the Christians at Galatia and says to us today too four very important truths there's only a few verses in our text but so much is packed into that first of all that we've all been baptised into Christ Jesus and that uh, through him we are now God's children. We share together the new life we have in Jesus as God's family. Secondly, because we've been baptised into Christ, we are now clothed with Christ's righteousness. It's his righteousness that we wear as that white jacket. I should borrow that. I no, don't think it'll fit. So we are, we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and that we share together the new life, new life with God that Jesus has won for us by his death and resurrection. Thirdly, because of our shared union with Christ, the usual cultural distinctions... And the things that separate us as human beings no longer apply in the church. So Paul says that in Christ there is neither Jew or Gentile. So racial barriers do not apply in God's church. St. Paul says that in Christ there is neither Slave or free. In modern terms, we'll say there's neither rich or poor. In a similar way, all economic boundaries have been overcome and no longer apply in the church. Then Paul says that in Christ there is neither male and female. There's no distinction between men and women. That the gender difference that we human beings seem to make a lot of has no place amongst God's people but that's been washed away we are all one in Christ now we're not very good at that last one are we god is setting before us a vision for what his will for us is as his people and this is also a call from him for us to repent Of maybe some of our behaviours and attitudes in that space. To accept one another despite any differences, whether that be racial or economic or gender based. And finally, we're all united in a common inheritance in Christ. We've all won the lottery in Jesus. And we all equally participate in the salvation that Jesus has won for us. And that through him, we are all fellow members of his kingdom. Now that's something really worth celebrating, isn't it? Let's unpack that a little. The main point of all this is that our unity with each other as Christians... Is both grounded in and flows out our, out of our union with Christ. That's the key point here. We don't come together as a congregation as a purely human arrangement. Rather, God has called us to Himself and made us part of His family. It's not our doing; it's His. It's a gift of grace. That's why any talk about unity amongst Christians needs to begin here. In the promises that we have in our baptism, how God has united us to himself and to each other and the difference that makes in our lives. So friends, it's, it's a package deal. If we have God as our Heavenly Father through Christ, that also means that we have all other Christians as our brothers and sisters. You know what they say, you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your family. Now, to put more positively, nothing can tear us apart. Nothing can compromise our unity that we have in Christ because nothing, absolutely nothing, can snatch us out of the hand of Jesus. Nothing can stop Jesus loving each one of us and loving us as a community of faith in this place. Now, last Sunday was Trinity Sunday. We had the chance to think about how God is both three And one, that the God that we know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is united as one in common love and purpose. The fundamental confession of the Old Testament is that there is only one God. And the fundamental confession. Of the New Testament is that this one God exists and lives as one being in a community of three persons. And that this one God has been incarnated as Jesus the Son. In order to save us. And this one God dwells among us to enable us to believe in Jesus as our Saviour and to help us to live as children of God the Father. Now you might be wondering why is Richard reprising the message from last week? Well, simply this our unity of love and purpose as God's people reflects the unity of love and purpose within the Trinity. To repeat, our unity with each other flows out of and is grounded in our union with Christ and from the unity within the Trinity himself. In Jesus' so-called high priestly prayer, you find that in John's Gospel in chapter 17, Jesus, when he's just about to go into Jerusalem and be crucified, just before that, he prays for us. He acts as our high priest, praying for us, saying a blessing over us. And what does Jesus pray about us to the Heavenly Father? He says, may they be one. He's talking about us. May they be one as we are one. As Jesus and the Father are one. Our unity together is grounded in the unity within God himself. What that means, friends, is that our unity together is a gift. It's not something that we make on our own. It's not Coming about because of our efforts or our brilliant ideas. It's a gift from God. And this precious gift is what defines our identity. So if I ask, who am I? Well, I'm a beloved and forgiven child of God in Jesus. And who are we together as a community? We are the beloved and forgiven family of God in Jesus. And that's how we are to think of ourselves and how we are to think of each other. Now that then suggests that this gift of unity is not only a gift, it is also a task, something that we have to live out. And so in our choices and in behaviours, whatever we do, we are to promote and protect and live out that unity we have with one another in common love and purpose. The New Testament, especially uh, the letters of St. Paul, are jam-packed with encouragement after encouragement after encouragement for us to treat one another in the same way that Jesus has treated us, with love and compassion and forgiveness and acceptance. And so we are called to respect one another, to serve one another, to comfort one another, to support one another and to pray for each other. And when we mess up, which in the end we all, we, we all end up doing sooner or later, when we mess up, we are also then called to do what? To forgive one another, restore one another, work to be reconciled with one another, to speak a message of love and forgiveness in Jesus to one another. Simply put, God wants us to live out the gospel of his love and forgiveness and all our relationships and all our interactions with one another. Friends, we live in a, an increasingly fragmented world. Society and the whole world's pulling in all sorts of different directions. There's all sorts of fractures out there. And in that context, in the environment that we live in, one of the best witnesses that we can give to Christ, to the unbelieving world that doesn't know him yet, one of the best witnesses to Christ we can give is to live out the gospel in our community together. Let me say that again. Our most effective strategy of witnessing to the world is the love that we have for one another, the forgiveness and acceptance we show one another as we live out the gospel. So it's not just talking, 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 but people see it in our lives, in who we are and how we act and how we relate to one another. The pagans of the ancient world have commented, and it's in a couple of different places in the historical record, of pagans commenting about the early Christians, Says that They were fascinated. They said, see how they love one another. What were the early Christians known for? For their love for one another. And through their love for one another, people got a glimpse of the love of Jesus. Now, the unbelieving world mightn't always understand what we're talking about, They very frequently won't get what our confessions of faith are. But they will take notice of how we live. They will take notice of how we live our lives and how we treat each other and how we treat them. So I might suggest to you this morning that we need to think about mission and witnessing as being a team sport, often limited to saying, what, "What am I as an individual doing?" Okay, that's fair enough. But what are we doing together as a community of faith? How is we, a community here, a paravista, communicating the gospel to the local community? That's some suggestions. What might that look like? Well, it would be shown how we conduct ourselves in our relationships, our interactions with the non Christian parents who choose to send their children to our school. It can be shown by the way that we welcome people to a community meal Monday nights. Could even be how we treat each other at a congregational meeting. Or is that getting too close to the bone? Or even in that we bother to turn up. It applies to how we talk to each other, how we talk about each other. Especially as a community who wrestle with all the complex issues that are involved with being in a partial vacancy. We're a bit anxious about where's this all going. In all that, friends, people are watching. It's my prayer that they might see our common trust in Jesus and our shared love for one another. And it's my prayer that they might also see how with God's help we are facing the unknown future with determination and confidence. That had to get a Guernsey again, didn't it? Friends, the truth is we are one in christ praise god let's live that way amen let's pray lord jesus we thank you that all you have done to unite us to yourself to wash us clean to bring us into your kingdom to unite us to our Heavenly Father, to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might be a community of faith and love and acceptance and mercy. Help us to witness to your love by the way we live our lives. And as we have opportunity, help us to point people to you, to your glory and our good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.